0: Hello and welcome joining very temporary host ian laking and co-host deanne sheldon collins is return guest elizabeth flux liz is a freelance writer and editor based in melbourne and her work both non-fiction and fiction can be found in numerous publications around australia liz joins the crew to chat about the writing community and they inevitably get derailed in the media section let's listen in hello and welcome to the morning bell podcast i'm your host this week ian laking my last week hosting before our regular host Joel returns and with me as often in the past few weeks is <laughs> Deanne Sheldon-Collins. How are you, Deanne?
1: Hi, Ian. I'm good and I can't think of a bad joke. I'm so sorry I failed you in my last episode. That's
0: totally fine and uh, I'm sure it won't be your last episode. And don't worry, plenty of other failures we can come back to <laughs> at other times.
1: And I mean, bad jokes come to me naturally. I'm sure organically throughout the podcast I'll throw a few in.
0: Let's try and find an appropriate failure moment and we'll call that our bad joke for the episode. How does Fail
1: is even in my Twitter handle. So clearly, it's who I am.
0: That's true. I like that. Uh, but someone who also has an effective Twitter handle. <laughs> nice segue. Um, with, with it's not a maybe... nice
1: segue if you congratulate. Yourself yeah, because
0: then I just ruined it. That's all right. I'd like to welcome our guest today, uh, Elizabeth Flux. Hello. 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 How are you today? Liz? Good. How are you? I am about as good as I was when I started uh, this episode, and I'm probably going to get better because we're really excited to have you on with us.
2: Thank you. What is effective about my Twitter handle? Is it that it's
0: my name? It was just the only <laughs> thing I could think of to say that would be a segue. <laughs> so this interrogation has pulled my entire theory to bits. But
2: that's the fail joke. Have it's the, yeah, done it you now? failed oh. it. Like, pull back know. around the fail joke. Look
0: at that. Well, it's been great having you with us today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's been a great episode. Thank yeah, you so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, sure we needed. The quickest, that's
0: a wrap. Yeah, yeah that's a wrap. Uh, cool. That's, we're, we're done. But uh, look, it's great to have you. Have you had a busy week, uh, Liz?
2: Uh, it's been quite busy, yes. Yeah. Um, I think so. What day is it? Is it Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Wednesday.
0: Look, I mean, I've, I've been moving myself, so... Um, what
2: else have you been moving?
0: Um, just, no, well, also my family <laughs> and our positions have been moved. Well done. That was a good one. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I do appreciate uh, your, your tweets, mostly for the, um, the puns, though. Mm. They tend to mm. come naturally to you. Uh, I'm sure. I need
1: to stop laughing hysterically at puns because I sense there are going to be a lot this episode and we've already established that I have a tendency to cause the mic to go <laughs> static when I laugh. So. Totally
0: fine. Look, if you can't hear Diane very well, it's because I haven't put her track onto <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, because uh, he's
1: just somehow edited the sound to get that's me as it. low exactly, as possible. Exactly, right?
0: Exactly, onto the recording. But no, it is great to have you with us, Liz. So thank you. Um, I, I've got to say, I haven't been on Twitter so much recently. I've kind mm. of just found myself a little bit off the tweet the tweets. Sometimes
1: mm. it's healthier to spend some time away on so. social Less,
0: yeah a little less of the um, of the constant echo chamber that is Twitter a little more of the constant echo chamber that was my house without any furniture in it so <laughs>
2: It's weird, isn't it? Like seeing your house without the stuff in it, and how dirty skirting boards are. I oh. know,
0: and where the dust hides, and like you know, I and had
1: carpets. A, oh god, ugh. stains on carpets. You think you keep a carpet in good shape for mm. you know five to ten years, and then the beds are gone, and you're like, wow, has it always been like that? Yeah, what happened there?
0: there? Did I leave all that blood there? And I mean,
2: it's it's. I it's, thought it was in the cupboard.
0: <laughs> that's where I normally keep the blood, um, which is really excellent in that vein. um I've okay. Okay. thank you, thank you so much. Good down to a you fine artery. <laughs> I really have, you know, finger on the pulse, all that stuff. <laughs> moving right along, before we get it even worse. No, but it was good. To kind of, we, we've moved to a neighbourhood we didn't really didn't love that much, so it's been good moving back to kind of. Uh, Home kind of Mm. neighbourhood, more around North Melbourne. So yeah, very excited to be back there. And uh, it is interesting, a little bit philosophical when you leave a house normally. But I hated my house, so I'm not (laughs) philosophical. I'm just happy. Mm. Yeah. There we go. Well,
1: that's a good start.
0: Thank you. But look, I have been doing a lot of thinking this past week. Um, Thinking of media that we've uh, I've been consuming right now. Uh, A bit of thinking because I haven't had much time to take things in. I did leap into um, one series once we finally managed to set up uh, the internet, and that's Stranger Things 3. Oh, yes. So have either of you, uh, have you watched Stranger Things, I should ask first, actually?
2: Seasons 1 and 2, but not 3 yet. I've been saving okay. it, hopefully, for the weekend. So, oh, good, good. Yeah. No,
0: it's fine. We're trying to get in before spoilers, so mm. very important. Mm. Um,
1: I binge-watched season 1, and I uh, was about halfway through season 2 when the third one came out, so I'm halfway th- Season two so you've
0: moment. missed nothing. That's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. No. Yeah, I
1: actually, it was a few months ago and I sort of stalled about halfway through season two. I was enjoying it, but I sort of lost that momentum of the first it, season.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Why do you think you stall in seasons of, of things? What is it that causes you to stall when it's sometimes a perfectly good season and you just kind of stop?
2: I have that kind of thing in, in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. That's yes. Very stoppable. Like when you're watching oh. it, you're like, I have to keep watching yep. this forever. And as soon as the episode stops, you're like, that program's dead to me. I, I don't
0: care. Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I
1: was like, is Ian going to make the joke or am I going to
0: make the joke? <laughs> That's okay. I couldn't think of another one for the life of me. But The, um, the Walking Dead is a, a very good show. But What happened for me personally? When did you stop, uh, Liz, with Walking Dead?
2: Um, well, is it spoilery to say when I saw... It was like a few years ago. So yeah. It was before Negan? the... Uh, yeah, Negan hadn't come in yet, but I know yeah. what he did. And so yeah. that has... Motivated me to not watch it. Yeah. So it was around the time they left the prison, right? I think. Okay. And yeah. they went to the church. Yes. That's okay. And I was like, this is—it's been like five, five years, episodes yeah. of like a priest crying for no yeah. real good reason. He doesn't so. stop
0: either. Like that doesn't change. Does, so. they, does he
2: at least die?
0: Um. No, not that I remember. Oh, so. that's a shame. You know. one of
1: the few characters you actually want to die
0: <laughs> they, they kind of take him on a bit of a journey which kind of it, it kind of works um, but I think that's the thing with The Walking Dead interesting show in that you know it's been announced that the, the lead um, who plays uh, Rick. Rick Rick? yeah Rick
2: is it, is it still going is, is Carl it, still at least g- dead? Uh, no I, I, you, you wish a lot of these people Carl look when something becomes
0: self parodying you, you know, when you can say Carl and people laugh you probably should stop he's
1: already dead to you
2: even if that's he's not right. dead in the show well, I hate him from the beginning yeah. so I Oh, really yeah which yeah. is terrible because he's a child
0: no well, it's okay. I mean I find myself um w- when you find yourself just wishing that they would stop, they probably should stop and I mean that's the thing Rick is he's announced the actor has announced he wants to leave. he's going to leave the show so he hadn't died in the comics so I went out and bought hard copies up to. Um, the hardbacks up to number 13, I think issue 13, so it was well into the Negan Saga and beyond a lot of it. So I already kind of knew what was coming. So for me, they killed off different characters and they did different things with them. So it's, it's fascinating what they've done in, the, in the, the books compared to on screen. But on screen, one thing that they did do really well is they built characters better. So the books, I think, overall are better. But I really like what they did with some of the characters, especially um, I think it's Carol and I'm forgetting the names of characters. It's been Carol's a good
2: one though. Like she's she was a very good character. I oh, hope well. she's still alive.
0: Yeah, so you wouldn't <laughs> love the books then. That's all I'll say. Yeah. It's quite surprising. But like Carol was so well, the story's so
1: good. very different in the books, isn't it? The adaptation took a lot of different arcs for different characters. Yeah, it, it
0: did. And that's kinda of good. I like when that happens. Because, you know, you just kind of treat each one as it is. One really good thing about the books actually is that um you that oh, sorry about this show, series is that for example with the governor they they never really like the governor's like this manic evil person in the books but in the show they kind of bring some human humanity mm. to him so you feel like you could believe it up uh, but in the in the books you're like wow this guy is just off off the rails you know hyper evil villain so
2: but he was a good villain in the series really, really good because yeah. you could see how people could get there which is the, the joy slash the horror of mm-hmm. The Walking Dead.
0: Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I really enjoy The Walking Dead anyway, but we haven't picked it up for a few years now and I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Um, Well, anyway, we got to The Walking Dead from that. One thing I will say about Stranger Things, uh, without any spoilers, of course, is just the aesthetic. It's a show that absolutely nails the aesthetic each time. Like, they couldn't go more nostalgia if they tried, and they, they nail every piece of it, which I really appreciate about what they do. I certainly have stopped watching it personally for the story. I'm not looking for twists anymore. I'm just kind of enjoying what they're doing, and, yeah, it's it's really good for that. Um, and I suppose they could have not made any more after season one and we'd all be really happy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, Because the criticism I've read is that it feels like they haven't decided between whether it's homage or... Satire? Mm. Not so much, satire's not quite the yeah. right word, but it's sort of wibbly wobbly between it. two competing needs.
0: Kind of reminds me of um, now. Obviously, now it's completely the other way. But Batman, when I was growing up, I kind of took seriously as a five-year-old. I could take mm. Batman seriously. Now I watch it, I see the complete parody of it. Yeah. I mean, you know. But Are we talking I, the
1: Adam West Batman? Yeah. Or? Oh yeah. No,
0: I'm talking about because I feel
2: like that was a pretty obvious a Christian Bale so. one, actually. That is oh. the one where he gets bitten by a bat and gets a bunch of money, right?
0: Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the one. Totally. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's a um, it's it's a very interesting thing when kind of a show does that. I, I enjoy it for what it is, uh, but. Yeah, but I'm still going to keep watching it. So well, I hope you enjoy it, Liz. I yeah.
1: think one of the reasons, um, particularly really popular shows like Stranger Things or Walking Dead, um, mm. can become very become very popular but then don't always have a lot of staying power is that uh, their selling point in a lot of ways is that unusual premise. They have like mm, a stick or yeah. something in that first season and Stranger Things, the first season, the reason I could watch pretty much the whole thing in an afternoon was it was very compelling. Oh, yeah. The mystery about what was happening with Will, what was happening with the Upside Down and as you mentioned, that aesthetic as well, mm. that kind of dark brooding, like, you know, we've seen the government conspiracy out in a small town thing done a million times before mm. but they still brought something really atmospheric to it yeah um and so i think that was what really propelled me forwards it was so compelling and Mm. they i appreciate the fact that they kind of gave that its conclusion at the end of season one then tried to do something a bit different in season two Mm. but it did mean they kind of had to almost reinvent the premise for season two and it didn't have that novelty anymore
0: yeah once you've shown the monster yeah it's kind of all over i mean Seeing the Demogorgon was uh, was cool, but until that moment, you're wondering what it is. That's mm. great, and it's I think it's a reminder that when you when you create um, to create fear or to create like action, you don't have to go big epic battles. Mm. It's actually better for a small group of friends who are children mm. to be facing this big monster. Uh, not mm. even a big monster, just mm. a monster.
2: And dread is I think more scary. So when I watch the Haunting of Hill House, Mm-mm. I think that's. Yep. What it's called. I always get the words the wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrifying because it's just you don't quite know for yes. most of it what's going on. So yep. you just are stressed mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah.
1: I think yeah. that the best horror is often like that. Even this is kind of a random example, but it's one that always springs to my mind when I think about uh, sort of low budget creepiness. Mm. The Blink, ep- Don't Blink episode of Doctor Who mm. was, uh, it wasn't one oh, of their yeah. like really big effects heavy episodes. It was just that premise of the angels that, you yeah. know, the camera would pan away and go back to them and they'd like, get the crap. The- the- rap out of me the first yep. time I saw it. It was
2: my absolute favourite one. I got yeah. a t-shirt that says the angels have the phone box. Yeah,
1: it's like <laughs> right, it's so yeah, yeah. iconic and mm. they didn't actually uh, have to do a lot for that. It was uh, preying on that fear of not knowing what was happening, not yep. understanding why, you know, you'd turn away, you'd turn back, the angels were different. It was such a small thing but it was so creepy yeah. and it was really pulling on that, that psychological dread. That was what made it such an effective episode. And
0: the fact that, you know, you're blinking. Like, yeah,
1: yeah. Like that's something you, we all do. We can't really avoid it. <laughs>
0: Link. so it's it's incredible I think taking away like a basic human uh, need to do something or something like that works really well doesn't mm. it so mm. yeah I, I like it well anyway that's a, a long uh, dissertation coming off oh, dissertation whatever uh, coming off <laughs> of Stranger Things 3 um, Liz have you got anything you'd like to share for the media section anything that's on your reading list and or watching list
2: well I mean it feels really sort of I've been reading Terry Pratchett because I have a Terry Pratchett podcast, so every every month I've read one, so usually the most recent book I've read is a Terry Pratchett one. Of course, which one
0: was it most recently? It was
2: Interesting Times, which actually was quite interesting times to discuss because Mm. as far as they go, um, this one we had more to talk about in terms of how well it's aged because it's set in the sort of pan-Asian content, which is kind of not awesome mm. <laughs> yep yep as Absolutely. much as like mm. as much as the book is great and has all the humor mm. and jokes mm. and you love the characters it was kind of that was a bit yeah. off mm. so yep. yeah. Th-
1: is that one of the earlier ones as well it's
2: early but not like it's so nice. early yeah, that yeah, yeah.
0: It's not like, uh, yeah, equal rights or something, right? So it's kind of a bit further along. Yeah, it has um,
2: Rincewind in it, Mm -hmm. but it's like a Rincewind who's who's been through some stuff. (laughs) 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 Rincewind has seen some shit. Am I allowed (laughs) to say shit on this podcast? Well, you already did, so that's fine. I'm not not editing it out. Rincewind kind of... (laughs) I'm, I'm still deciding if he's Bilbo or if he's Frodo because they right. both. Yeah.
0: I think he's still trying to decide <laughs> that as well, Lawrence. When because
2: like Bilbo had the nice adventure, Frodo's the one who's like, I can't go back to my life ever again. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's like, interesting, isn't
0: it? I mean, but then Bilbo just didn't realize how messed up he was. I think after everything. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. And
2: but it's, and my go-to image of Bilbo is that terrifying Ian Holm yeah. one where he just suddenly like sees the ring and
0: he's yeah. all eyes and talk about oh, an oh, iconic yeah. uh, moment. Actually, no, that, yeah. they did that very well. Yeah. Um,
2: and he also. Played Jack the Ripper, which does not help, so <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. No, it <laughs> I didn't know that. I did not know that, but oh the geez. Johnny Depp from Jack the Ripper movie, oh, from hell. Oh, wow! So, yeah. Oh, and from hell, okay. Oh, wait, that was a massive spoiler. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's a character in that movie,
1: But look, just so an inherently creepy
0: content, film. Pre- sitting, so pre- content contains swearing <laughs> and spoilers. Please rewind the podcast and fast forward that section. I
1: feel like there's kind of a 10-year mark on spoiler warnings. Like, after 10 years, if someone hasn't seen it, that's sort of on them. <laughs> like,
0: Yeah, I, yeah I, it's true. I mean, we had someone at work who was like, uh, I said, have you seen Fight Club? And they're like, uh, no, I watched, stopped watching halfway through. And everyone around just kind of looked up and went, <laughs> You yeah, what? And, you know, like, you really should watch to the end just so at least you know, like, what, does something happen? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I understand why she stopped watching. She's like, oh, I found it too blokey and all like, that. Yeah, cool.
2: Or the movie about punching and stuff. Is <laughs> yeah. A
0: little bit, a little bit on that side, you know. Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I kind of enjoyed it for what it was. Anyway, I wanted to ask you about um, uh, Terry Pratchett, he says, with great um, enthusiasm. Because you're obviously, would you consider yourself an expert? On Terry Pratchett at this stage, or do you feel like there's still a lot more you don't know, or there are hyper fans out there who are there's kind of... hyper
2: fans out there that are way above because inter- there's yeah. people who remember quotes from. I, it's like friends that I have who can remember the names of every episode of a TV series. Mm. I'm not like that. I wow, have a sort yeah. of, I have a strong affection and love for Terry Pratchett's work, but I can't remember every single book individually. So that's why it's been good rereading it because yeah. there's things I missed. Early on, and I read it out of order originally, so I just sort of jumped all around the timeline and haven't seen the connections. So, (laughs) definitely not an expert, but probably by the end of these six years, I'll have done. 10,000 hours on it, so mm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so who knows? We're going to call you an have, expert then. I haven't done the maths on that, so that might be mathematically <laughs> inaccurate. But, you know.
1: Well, I think you uh, only need, what is it, 200 hours of training to become a yoga teacher. So I feel like if you want to be a Terry Pratchett teacher, 10,000 hours is a good way to go.
2: And if I listen to audiobooks while training to be a yoga teacher, <laughs> I could do both. Two birds, <laughs> one so, stone. Yeah. Incredible.
0: And yeah, you'd probably annoy people by just quoting Terry Pratchett the whole time while you do yoga. That's right.
2: <laughs> would that be annoying or would that be very like targeted to a specific demographic who'd love it?
0: Nerds. That would, actually,
1: I, that would actually be an untapped marker. You know, you've got hot yoga, you've got beer yoga, yeah, you've got
2: Terry Pratchett yoga. <laughs> Isn't there a
0: beer yoga as well? I mean, I can't oh, understand Oh, how... And there's a
2: dog yoga as well? Oh, uh, yeah,
0: Downward dog? No. Uh, that's a move within yoga. Ah, uh, uh, there opposed. we go. It's a great way to
2: rinse when down.
0: What a tail. Ah, uh, <laughs> see. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Did you
1: just say what a tail? I did. You were on uh, fire. <laughs> it's okay.
0: We'll pause the puns for the minute. I'll give
2: that one K9 out of 10.
0: Oh, oh. <laughs> like that. Um, So, that, that's good. So, for, sh- for sure. No, this stop <laughs> never mind i didn't
1: even catch what the pun was on that one it was one.
0: terrible that's why but um just coming back to this how did you how did you fall into terry pratchett originally though um w- were you uh read them as a child such teenager such when did you kind of get into that
2: um i was sort of aware of it and i originally thought it was because i just picked up a Discworld book off the off the library yeah. return stack mm. but it turns out that actually in year six my um my teacher, who had a mini library within yes. our classroom, because she's one of those awesome teachers who like fully commits to yep. being a teacher, um, recommended like truckers to me. Yeah, so okay. I had forgotten that I'd previously been introduced to Terry Pratchett. So I, yep. Discworld has a separate story and Terry Pratchett sort of is earlier so yeah oh ah,
0: interesting I mean for me it was a teacher as well it was, um, Mort was read us. I I did not remember any of the details of mm. Mort when I kind of uh, came back to it uh, a couple of years ago but yeah I know often it is a teacher who kind of introduces you to these things right mm. did you, uh, were you a fan particularly um, down growing up I
1: actually came quite late to Terry Pratchett we did uh, study uh, the amazing Maurice and his educated rodents in year eight I think mm-hmm. um, but it probably wasn't the best starting point because um, it like you mm. know I enjoyed it well enough, but it didn't sort of spark a, a love of Discworld or anything. I don't, I don't even yeah. know if it officially exists within the Discworld. I think it I think does. It's
2: we haven't done it yet, but it's a weird one to start with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah. because at
1: the time it was his only uh, book that was marketed as YA, so they were like, we oh. won't start them with one of the adult Discworld books, we'll start them with the YA one, but it's mm. an odd entry point. So, um, but when I was in uni, I was um, hanging out with some friends who were mm. big Pratchett fans, right. and we went to a bookstore together, and I was talking about how I didn't really know where to start because there were so many and they recommend they sort of told me a bit about it and recommended I start with Color of Magic which is interesting because again even though it's the first one that was published it's generally not recommended as the controversial yeah yeah but I really enjoyed it and I think even though it's not uh his later works tended to be very different. I think it still had enough of that very characteristic dry humour to draw me in Mm. and I loved Rincewind. I found him just to be the funniest character Mm. Um, and it was really interesting for me as um, a big fantasy fan to read this fantasy satire that was like pulling on all these swords and sorcery tropes but through the perspective of this character who's, like, from some kind of... Like, yeah. it's almost like he's from a different genre and has just been supplanted into this world and is yeah. like, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> mm. I just want to be at home right now. <laughs> um, at one point, he even literally uh, goes, like, it's sort of a spoiler, but he, like, travels into a parallel universe for yeah. about three pages yeah. and just becomes, like, a which, person in the normal <laughs> world.
2: Which is great, right? Yeah, Swedish is great. Yeah, yeah
1: so um, so that was my entry point, And then I read... Um, I think Mort and Equal Rights, mm. I start, I started trying to read them in order, but then I jumped to, uh, I think I think it might have been um, Going Postal, which is still mm. my favourite. Oh, it's, uh, so yeah, yeah. it's so good. It's so good, and that was, I think, what made me really love his writing because that right. was a later one. It's still considered, I think, one of the best generally. Uh, so, yeah, Going Postal, I'm a big fan.
0: I have to ask, do we think that there'll ever be another person as prolific mm. as Terry Pratchett in fantasy? Is there another person who's... Comparable? I, don't, I can't think of anyone else who's comparable in terms of the prolific.
1: I, I suppose, I mean, being mm. prolific is a big part of what he did, but it's also the combination of being prolific and putting out quality work. Mm. I mean, that's the thing. That I think yeah. it's the combo of being such a distinctive voice, but also mm. able to like write so much in that voice. Like, often you get one or the other. So yeah. I think that's the combo that I'm not sure we'll ever see again.
2: Yeah, so I can't think of anyone else like that because prolific ones, you had had, so he's gone now, Philip K. Dick. Mm-hmm. But, yep. I mean, there there's other reasons for why he was so prolific. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I love how we're not going to explain that. We yeah, just laugh yeah, and just, you can yeah, Google yeah, it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and the quality was very variable. Mm-hmm. But I think also part of that is because um, – Short fiction um, used to pay a lot better yeah. as well, so yeah. you yeah. could you would churn it out, mm. and that was how you made rent. Whereas mm. now, I think it's it's quite a different landscape. So. Mm. Yeah, and a
1: lot of what we consider classic sci-fi now was pulp sci-fi at the time, mm-hmm. so it yeah. was often just you know being written for this these series of magazines that wanted a new story every month or a w- few months.
0: I wonder if we will come back to this age of publishing and look at the um, the emergence of self-publishing as being a driver of like of um, being prolific as well, because with Amazon's algorithms, you know, for example, I self-published, I haven't self-published, I have something, you know, that's in the work still, but I haven't I haven't put anything out for a couple of years, and I know that affects me in the algorithm. I've seen that in like the amount of downloads that I get, and it encourages you constantly to have new stuff out there. And it's just not it's not great, yeah. Because yeah. you're going to rush it if you if you don't have boundaries around quality. And for me, what stopped me from publishing more was boundaries around quality. Mm. Um, and so if you don't have that, you're just going to go go go. And so mm. I want to. And it's such it a
1: shame because self publishing, I think, has the potential to be like it's not inherently bad quality. There are some mm. amazing yeah. high quality self-published work out there. Yours obviously Ian. Of course well, goes without um, saying. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, but there's this stigma still attached to self-publishing I mean I think it's, we're working past that and it's it has yeah. been fading but it's still there in a lot of ways and partially I think that's just you know general bias towards new modes and new platforms yeah. but I think it also does come from the fact that a lot of self-published writers are pushing out work too soon before it's ready mm. and that scene as being representative of the whole so i think that algorithm can affect the quality and also therefore the reputation it becomes Mm. a sort of ouroboros cycle of um you know just churning out bad stuff in order to yeah yeah
0: Okay, mm. no, that's it's, it's good. Anyway, again, long long paths that we're taking from this. Um, and anything else on your watch list at all, uh, Liz, before we move on from the media section? Um,
2: I've managed to smash through two series that I keep getting mixed up because one's called The Society and one's called The <laughs> The Order. <laughs> right. And so I think The Society is the one.
1: Is that the apocalyptic teenagers one yeah. and The Order is the magical academy one?
2: Yeah, the magical university, yeah. like secret society, <laughs> but it's also their wizards, I think. Yeah, that but sounds bad. Right, yeah. And the other one is a is a modern retelling of The Pied Piper.
0: Ah. So yeah. And are they good? Um session enjoyable for you.
2: They, they they sure are bingeable and you can smash through them, but then <laughs> they are um trash?
0: <laughs> right. But, okay. But <laughs> like there's
2: nothing wrong with tra- like no. it, There's so much of it for a reason because it's inherently watchable.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, binging I guess we we didn't binge. Growing up, I'm trying to think if I ever binged anything. I don't
2: think you had the means to no, with
0: free-to-air
1: right? TV growing up. Things became bingeable oh, with streaming services. <laughs> Do you remember like
2: having to wait a week between oh, episodes of things? And, and it sometimes. was
1: half-hour shows. And you'd, like, yeah. that half hour, you'd wait all week for it. It'd be over like that. And then it was just counting down the days oh, to the next one.
2: Buffy was the one as well because I wasn't oh, allowed yeah. to stay up to watch oh, it. No. <laughs> so I had to tape it. And, <laughs> so, and then I had to set the timer on the, rec- on the VCR. And if the previous show ran over... Yeah. Missed the end oh, and it's just worse. hated that it was the Gotta worst. Got to go plus ten minutes. And I used to wake up at six a.m. the next morning. because yep. I was allowed to wake up whenever I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I, just just to I couldn't to bed, sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to watch it. That's a flawed system. <laughs> I know. <That's> right. <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna go to bed at nine thirty. Wake up at ten thirty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You found the loophole, yeah. <laughs> and there's no argument with that. Um,
1: it also, and whenever there was like a cricket game or something, one oh. of those would always go so far over time that it yes. would sometimes be like 45 minutes into the show, like when the show was supposed to be airing. Turn it
0: on. And there's Michael He's Bevan so a six, and you're like, "What? <laughs> you're
2: I not was, a vampire." <laughs> and I was generous with my buffers as well, and yeah. still. Yeah. My Still Buffy buffer is, but yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, um, yeah. I, oh, I like <laughs> <that. laughs> Buffy is. I know, and yeah. when you miss Buffy, you just it pick. just, it really sucked. Yeah, so my heart rate spiked,
0: like, so much. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, we should do this more often. Um, so that's good. Look, I I, um, I will say I did used to like, for me, one thing that I did used to binge, quote unquote, was I, I would I remember watching the end of Star Wars Return of the Jedi. I, I watched that multiple times. Not the whole movie, because the beginning is so slow compared to the end. So I would just watch from kind of uh, when everything started to happen and up until about when Admiral Akbar pronounces, it's a trap! It's a trap! <laughs> that's right. And at which stage I'd be like, yeah!
2: <laughs> it is a trap. <laughs> it is a trap. And I'm going to watch for another half hour now. You called it!
0: Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was going to be a trap.
2: So I'm bad with names, I just spent the whole time saying that, being like, which one is it? Is he talking about watching the Ewok battle over and over
0: again? Yeah, the Ewok battle is again. Yes, that's part yeah. of it. So these were the, all the things that I kind of... It um...
2: doesn't help that
1: the numbering system is very unintuitive. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's interesting, right? These are things that would anyone come back and do the same thing now the behavior that we see with like binging shows and Mm. doing those things we have so much content whereas back then uh before the internet was really you know Mm. not on dial-up um (laughs) (laughs) sorry was only on dial-up um you know there was was limited content so it kind of squeezed you into what you could watch and record Mm. so Mm. look it's a different world i think there's great things about it though in that you can you can take in a lot of content and
1: I wonder That's if wonderful. it's also going to change the uh, the nature of storytelling in the sense that when shows were being aired, you know, in the 80s and 90s, mm. they uh, they allowed for things like ad breaks, whereas, yeah. for, you know, Netflix original shows, for example, don't mm. need to account for that. They can be written in a different way because they are written with the understanding that you are going to sit down and probably watch at least three or four episodes, maybe all ten, in the course of a few hours.
2: And they're mm. also not as strict on how long the episode can be, you yes. know, because it used yep. to be... Like, people would have to cut off vital parts of their storyline mm. and you see it in the editor's mm. cuts mm. to make that 42 minutes. Mm. Now, yep. if you watch Black Mirror, the episodes can be between, like, 30 minutes to an hour and a half mm. yep. like because it's however long you need to tell the story, except yep. in some cases for Black Mirror, um, that time should be zero minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll tell Nice you, shade <laughs> on black mirror like it, There's some amazing episodes And then there's like That terrible one About robot dogs That I should just not Have seen the light of day I've
1: not seen that one Don't It sounds like it's, I don't need to
0: So yeah. if, they, if, you, if you turn on Episodes And now the robot dogs that like, Shut it down <laughs>
2: Shut <laughs> it
0: down immediately Oh it's just
2: bad In every possible way It could have been uh, It was tedious The payoff was, and yeah. Do yeah. they have different writers For different episodes Is I that why the so. quality Varies so much Yeah which I kind of love Like it's mm. like an anthology yeah. series yeah. Kind of yeah. like um, Like Electric Dreams For Philip K. Dixon, Except yeah. like Technically, Philip K. Dick wrote all of those, yeah. but they were adapted by all these different people who were like, oh, I'm just going to throw out what he wrote and just make an episode that yeah. is basically
0: <laughs> That's right.
2: something else. So. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I really love the fact that now there's more freedom in storytelling um, and that it doesn't have to be squeezed into that formula. And I think something like The Good Place also shows that where it mm-hmm. kind of messes with a bit of the formula of everything that you'd expect from a traditional sitcom and then continues to mess with things in ways that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, so new Veronica Mars as well. we'll finish I'm with that. so excited. Yeah, so you're a big big fan <laughs> Yes.
2: Liz? A huge! i um, huge, Marshmallow. How bad is it? Oh, yeah, no, that's right.
0: I mean, how bad is it that I've never watched it? Um, that's
2: terrible. Get out. Okay, this well, is my podcast now. Yes,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I, I will stay and host uh um, just a one-on-one conversation with. Lizzie I'm your host,
2: Democratic Elizabeth Arts. Flux. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, um, it's terrible that you haven't seen it, and I I'm sad that your life has not been enriched by. But I mean, this show.
0: Yeah, really. So it's that good. So you're are you, you're not part of the the really rabid fandom. Are you like the polite I mean, part of the fandom?
2: As in, yes. I mean, I feel like I was just quite rude to you, so that's very generous True, assessment. <laughs> Here we go. No, look, but you're, I, I feel that's justified. So. I gave money to the, um, the crowdfunding. I was going to ask, did you yeah. contribute
1: to the millions of dollars? I feel like that's a good starting point it's, for the level of your dedication. Actually, um,
2: I hope this isn't too boring a story, but um, no, I, that's fine. as soon as they announced it, I was like, yes, please take whatever money yeah. I can spare for this because I really, because I was, if you've watched it, it doesn't have a conclusion. Like it doesn't have right. cl- give mm. you closure mm. at uh, all. Okay. You could uh, tell
1: that they were wanting to lead into a fourth season with it, if they could. Yeah. Um. Yep.
2: So I was like, yes, I'd like to see this, even though it's like ten years later. And mm. if it can happen, it's amazing. I gave money. Um. And then I contacted the Kickstarter to see if I could interview Rob Thomas. Right. Yeah. Um. And he said yes because he's an amazingly oh, wow. generous. I didn't. Man. I didn't
0: realize this. Okay.
2: Yeah. And as soon as um he said yes, and then we made a time through his publicist to yep. um to talk um. The time difference um, got lost in communication somewhere. So, he got told one day and I got told another day. So, I um, got a call on my mobile phone being like, hello, this is Rob Thomas. I'm like, hello, I am leaving my cinema job right now. Um, can I call you back in like a bit? Um, wow. And then I was, I was like, actually, I can't afford to call you in America on my mobile phone. He's like, oh, it's – and then he called me. So, that was – Oh, that's nice. nice. And then I um, put a bunch of more money towards the Kickstarter –
1: yeah. <laughs> again yeah.
2: afterwards so. I'm,
1: I'm really glad that story ended happily because I was worried it was going to be an yeah. anecdote about the time like you couldn't talk to Rob Thomas on this interview that had been arranged and I was going to be very sad about that can, can there's a
2: story about how Rob Thomas is a, a lovely man <laughs> who is very very generous at this time and apparently his phone credit back when that was a thing yeah, wow. so, yeah. yeah right yeah. Um,
0: can you find that episode online um, or that, that interview online um, it was
2: in print, but... um. Oh, I can, right. Yeah, I can send you <laughs> Ian forgot that print is... <laughs> no, I, I know, I know th-
0: I'm thinking podcast. How long ago was that? That was like...
2: Uh, I mean, that would have been when the movie coming out, so... 12 yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Seven years ago? In print, interesting.
0: Okay, no, i just I can send I'm you a fascinated. PDF, though. Yeah. I didn't... I, I don't know why. I didn't, I'm not that surprised that you did that. I'm really not, but that's fantastic. So no,
2: he's just... Yeah, so I have nothing but praise for him, and I'm glad that he's doing another... Yeah. That's really
0: great. That's yeah. Well, speaking of uh, working with other writers, uh, <laughs> not bad this time. Once again, calling out my own segue. Yeah,
1: stop, stop applauding yourself, Ian. You keep just getting there. And-
0: what can I say? We should just um, shout
2: segue into the microphone and then move on
1: to the next yeah. topic. <laughs> we'll have like a special microphone tap when Ian does an obvious segue. That's, I
0: like that. Yep, Segway. Uh, that writers have community. So look, I wanted to have a chat with Liz today. Uh, you, you're on here, part of the Melbourne writing community. And I've been thinking a bit recently about uh, what it is to be part of um, the community of writers around the world and locally here in Melbourne. So I thought it'd be good for us to talk about you know, what, what it means to be a part of a community, how it um, influences you as you go through your writing journey, all these kind of things. I mean, there's a lot we can talk about. Um, so I suppose what I might ask first, um, Liz, for you, is how did, how did you kind of get involved in writing and then what were your first experiences? Um, so for me, I, I started in self-publishing and then I moved into the, quote, real world. Mm-hmm. What about for you? Did you start writing first before you were meeting other people who were into writing or how did that kind of evolve for you? Um.
2: Do you mean professionally, like, paid writing or in general? I reckon or? just when
0: you're starting out.
2: Um, so, I started out with freelance. Um, mm. So, I guess I started, like, writing that got good feedback with student media. Um right. And then I just started pitching to publications and just sort of dabbled in that. And I was still living in Adelaide at the time. so right. So, yeah, um, I pitched to a few publications I liked, um, got a few things paid for like pay, they paid me they paid me for the words is a thing that I'm trying to say <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> it's such an alien concept that you were not quite sure how to articulate it I what what do, what do, what do for I do with writing? this money I'm just
0: used to using exposure for things ah. yep
2: yeah, and um then I yeah, and I also met people through student media and the National Young Writers Festival, which Ah. I went to as a student editor. So I got to know people from all over, like writers from all over Australia through there. We stayed in touch. So as I was making the move from my medical degree to trying out writing full time, I moved over to Melbourne and I stayed in touch with a few of the people I'd met at the Young Writers Festival and it sort of snowballed from there, I think. Yeah. me catch up with them.
0: So can I ask, did you find a big difference between kind of the writing support and community in Adelaide compared to Melbourne?
2: So i don't think i'm in a position to make a fair comparison because when yeah. i was in adelaide i was fully immersed in a degree doing yeah. science i was never really in the community there the people i do know who are writers from adelaide still living there or who've moved over yeah um are great and we still are, i think very close-knit but yeah i don't think like the only writing community i've been around has mm. been in melbourne because mm. that was partly why i moved here yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
1: And even NYWF, um, the National Young Writers Mm. Festival, it's uh, a residential festival based in Newcastle, but it still has, you know, a strong east coast of Australia writing Mm. community, like the ties still tend, even though it's a national festival, just Mm. because so many of the uh, central literary locations and resources in Australia are in Melbourne and Sydney, it Mm. still tends to be very focused on those communities.
0: It's been interesting for I think for myself and, and Joel and Dion you know people who who are working with um speculate this year which mm. was the uh uh, speculative fiction festival that we've been running um, to I think to see what community means to people has been was really special because um, it, we're talking about people who aren't necessarily writing uh, the next book a prize-winning um, deep literary novel but they're still so passionate about their craft and so when you get a group of people together who share a certain type of uh, writing interest it's really fascinating to see how that plays out and we would have people who flew in from whether it was Adelaide or Perth um, someone from Brisbane this year uh it's interesting to see that to listen to their stories are kind of that and they really love it especially the the one person who joined us from from Queensland she didn't have a community up there so for her this was like you could tell it was like fresh air you know coming up to breathe which I loved um Diane you're part of uh Writers Victoria and have been for oh
1: um, uh I think it's my fifth year there now um mm. my so My career progression, um, uh, particular arthritis fix has been an interesting one because I actually started out as an intern. So I've been uh, a staff member there, um, getting uh, money for my words. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not exposure. Since uh, 2014. So that's 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah, that's five years. um, But I was an intern for kind of a season before that. Mm. Um, Yeah, uh, it's... So the... So for anyone who doesn't know, Writers Victoria is the State Writers' Centre. Um, it's uh, an organisation set up to connect uh, writers at all levels, of all genres and stages, um, mostly based around uh, Melbourne and regional Victoria, but we're also part of the uh, national network of writers' centres in Australia. Mm. We also run online workshops and training, so we uh, occasionally have interstate and even overseas members, Yeah. Um, and a big part of what we do is providing community and mm. professional development so we run paid services like manuscript assessments and mentorships and workshops hmm. but we also uh, as a member based organisation we really try to uh, provide things like networking events and free resources yeah. through our website and things like that and we get a lot of calls from people who uh, essentially treat us as a bit of a writing hotline <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, sometimes <laughs> clearly sometimes people just uh, go I want to know about writing in Victoria, they google <laughs> writing Victoria, we come up and they call us with no idea who we are, anything about the industry anything really about publishing they're just like you're the first thing that came up when i googled please really? answer my questions um and we do what we can for them but sometimes like it really varies sometimes we're answering very basic questions and uh, sometimes sometimes you do kind of go, if you're able to Google us, how are we not able to Google this thing? But <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. nice to know that we get hits on Google, I guess. Mm. Um, so, but it, it is really interesting the things I've learned from working there about uh, what questions early level writers in particular have mm. about their writing and about the industry because I uh, started out um, in doing a degree in, up in Queensland. Um, I did a an undergrad degree in literature and mm. then my master's in writing, editing and publishing. So I was privileged to have access to a community at that tertiary level yeah, right. and uh, to kind of tap into the Brisbane literary scene as well. So when I moved to Melbourne and uh, was looking for work in that area and volunteered, with writers victoria i already had kind of a base level of knowledge that a lot of people don't necessarily have access to when they're entering the literary scene Mm. um and so it is really nice to work there and to be able to uh kind of help provide other people with those insights with my knowledge
0: yeah Mm. that's that's interesting so thinking about starting out Mm. um you know liz was was there a particular did you have a writing group at all when you were kind of starting out um or did you have a mentor What, what was kind of the support structure for you if you can uh, it,
2: remember it's I, it's really just been me on my own yeah. for like most time cuz i like I'm not really good in writing groups and things. Mm-hmm. I think I'm yeah. impatient, perhaps, or I've never <laughs> tried it and I don't really <laughs> know. I'm maybe I'm missing out on a world of stuff, but I think
1: I think it's different for everyone. Yeah, like, you know, different strokes and all that. Yeah, like what works for one person doesn't work for another.
2: But yep. in student media in particular, like, I had yep. a f- I had a column in there, and so did a friend of mine. And we what wasn't she became my friend through we both had columns. So right. we used to sit on Facebook Messenger or whatever it was back like in 2011. Um, yeah, on. Deadline night and we would send each other paragraphs from, yep. from our work to check. So we Amazing. were kind of each other's checks and balance. Yep. That. So I have a few relationships like that where like there's a few of us online who yep. will who will give each other feedback. Like I have trusted writers who I mm. will tell me if my work is garbage mm. and yeah. there's a reciprocal <laughs> arrangement in that way. Yep. Um, I've had times where we've done like working bees online again where you'll FaceTime each other so that you can't just sort of go off and be making 10 <laughs> cups of tea instead of doing <laughs> yeah. work. That's part of my process. <laughs> Can you still
0: fall into a YouTube hole where you do that? You look like you're writing but actually you're watching about steam trains for an hour. Just don't make you it, it like a
1: really interesting YouTube video that you're going to have a shocked reaction to. <laughs> yeah, someone, don't right, get no. rickrolled during the Basically.
2: That between me smiling the whole time because I love getting Rickrolled. Yeah. It is one of the best songs out there. Yeah, so. it's true. It's it true. really holds up. That meme actually holds up like no <laughs> other it's meme. It's true. has
0: got to be the oldest meme on the internet, maybe. Yeah. I think so. Like the one that's that's held up the longest the for sure. The original
1: meme, I think.
0: Like getting Rickrolled, it's still good. I still <laughs> love it just much. A guy actually on Reddit a few days ago, he did um, a tour of his cinema and like his home cinema, and then on screen when he walked in there. There it was. It was fantastic.
2: Maybe listen to the lyrics. They're actually very romantic. Yeah, yeah. it's a,
1: actually a really good song. I think maybe that's part of why it holds up so well because it's genuinely like an enjoyable song. So even when you get trolled, you're like, oh, well, now I'm here. I might as well listen.
0: That's right. And you start boogying. Yeah. booging. Um, which I do often. I just did in my seat. Yeah, yeah. To... Liz
1: and I are looking at you <laughs> with some
2: concern. We're not going to participate I know, yeah, in that. Yeah, it's fine. It didn't add
0: anything to the We've podcast. already
1: established that this is like the Liz and Dion show and he's just <laughs> hanging out, segueing and booging in the Yeah, I'm
0: glad to be here, guys. (laughs) Um, I I think you hit on something there though, trust, um, Liz, which is really key, right? Because Mm. um, you've got to have someone that you can kind of connect with, no matter the size of the writing group. So for me, um, there's a couple of people who I've had a writing group with for many years um, now, which is strange, it kind of happened. Um, you know. And even though one person's kind of moved away overseas, we still keep in touch. And we haven't been exchanging so much work recently. For me, I guess it's having a baby and moving house and all these different things. But I, I will say that you do need to know that, that um, you can that someone understands your work. I think mm. that's probably a yeah. large part of it. Perhaps?
1: yeah and any type of writing that you do I mean if you're a professional writer it's really helpful if you're working with say a professional editor that's useful but I think it's Mm. also really good to have that community of peers who are kind of at that same level of writing you are they understand your writing where you're coming from I mean you know even in like fandom community having a beta reader is so helpful for fic writers um, because there's kind of this misconception that a lot of fan fiction is very uh, rough and unedited and sure some of it is but Mm. um, you know there's a lot of really high quality fic out there Mm. and usually it's gone through a pretty intensive beta reading process.
0: Well to make it readable for the general, uh, you know, mm. community mm. out there. It's and be, it's right? a
1: community mm. of people who are fellow fans. So they're as passionate about that what you're, the world you're writing in as you are. Mm. So they're coming at it with that shared love. And, you know, fandom is very passionate. So it's it's actually really great for motivating that process.
2: Yeah, it's, if you have a group of people, whether you physically meet with them or if mm. you have an online or a phone relationship, mm. it is good to have like that small circle yeah. of res- reciprocal help, mm. I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, the first—I think actually the very first kind of uh, let's call it community interaction I had with writing was when I was well before I started writing fiction. Was when I was writing uh, Pun Network News. Uh, at um, <laughs> What Pun Network News? Uh, <laughs> Gotta so, unpack that later. <laughs> well, No, no, I, you can—it was trash, but uh, it's basically the news written in puns. Um, and, Is it still uh, happening?
2: And can I sign up for well, it? Well, I should. I should <laughs> still do it. Liz has found her calling. <laughs> I, I'd be
0: happy to, to have a have a go at it, um, Liz. Again, because so basically, I was inspired. I heard about uh, my, the local magazine at the university, I was at the canter, someone mentioned that there was a guy who used to go out and do like go to bars and stuff and write the entire experience up in puns, and he was called the punsmith, and I was like, okay, so that well, I'll just do the news and puns and call it, instead of One Network News, which is what New Zealand had, it would be Pun Network News, and uh, so then I did it, and then I was talking to this guy that I knew vaguely through various connections, and he's like, oh yeah, he said, I'm the punsmith. I wrote those articles, I'm like, what? <laughs> so then uh, I joined up with him, and we wrote together um, Pun Network News.
2: Did you get a, a, a name though? Like, because like, if he's the punsmith, you are the I, the punter.
1: I'm just here thinking that like there should be a pun in punsmith, surely. No, yeah. it's a bit
0: weird, isn't it? I don't even know. I I had a t- I don't think I had a proper name for it. So no, I really failed in that regard. That was
2: deeply upsetting.
0: I know, but it is very good. A I'll um, You can find one of my things. I actually put it up on on my website, so I, it is there. It's not very good. I, when I went back to it, I was like, oh, I probably wouldn't say that now, and we'll probably <laughs> change that. And that's not a good joke. Okay. That's how we
2: evolve. Yeah,
0: I lightly edited it. Um, Politely edited it as well, I should say. (laughs) So it's more polite now. Um, But that was the first kind of uh, relationship I had with someone where we were both kind of working to sharpen each other's work, which I really appreciated. And
1: that's the thing that uh, this idea of uh, reciprocity also comes back to Mm. is that it's not just, you're not just helping them. Editing someone else's work really helps you improve Mm. your own. Like it's a very constructive process for everyone involved.
0: Yeah, that's true. I I think that sometimes um, people who start out, especially online now, um, if you don't start out in a community, like when I started out, I was just doing it by myself. I fell into self-publishing because I discovered that Amazon let you do it and, oh, there's a publish button and, oh, now it's up online and, oh, somebody bought it. That poor, poor... If you're out there listening to this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> your greatest you fan. Oh, they're
2: definitely listening <laughs> yeah. to this. They listen to all of them. That,
0: they're, they're, they're the biggest fan. they
2: <laughs> got a CD burned. So.
0: Well, they effectively bought, you know, version 0.7 of a novella, so good on them. I can still remember the moment I saw someone buying it uh, on my phone. I was like, oh, my goodness, someone did this? <laughs> they bought it on cents. your phone? Uh, yes, they did. It was a bit scary, but <laughs> mum was great about it, so that's what I appreciated.
1: The editor and me particularly appreciated that.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Clearly you guys have got some writing community going on. Um, but I know that for me, I found a bit of, uh, it was a bit useful starting out on Reddit, uh, where they had a writing community. Um, you do discover with Reddit, though, that a lot of the same questions get asked, and then occasionally someone comes along with a big success story that's like a, not even a slightly a humble brag, it's more just a straight up brag. Um, but no, you, and you say, well, good on you. But... I think the thing that can be missing there is that reciprocity. Mm-hmm. Reciprocity, yeah. Good, got it. it. Sounds
2: like we're going to break into a Mary Poppins
0: style song. So. I think so. It's about as much of a tongue twister. But um, that reciprocity, uh, which is simply quite atrocious.
2: Oh, that was actually really good. That was
1: fantastic. Yeah, Thank you, you redeemed yourself here, and you're back. You're back in the podcast. Thank you. Please
0: don't kick me out. But anyway, I, you know, the thing that was missing though was that trust. I think, mm. and um, you know, that was kind of uh, why sometimes you couldn't take the feedback seriously because it felt like people would just slam on other people's work, and you're like. It doesn't really help anyone, you know. When you know someone, when there's some accountability of face-to-face and relationship, it really helps to level that
1: out. It's been interesting to see how often uh, at Writers Victoria when we run a workshop uh, writing a smaller writing group might form out of that so those classroom dynamics or those sort of broader networking events might be a good way for people to sort of dip their toe into community Mm. but those uh, reciprocal uh, and more intensive relationships tend to come when you know even sometimes it's not one workshop uh, you know three or four people might go to the same couple of workshops and be like hey let's go for a coffee afterwards and Mm. writing groups will form form out of that so I think that uh, and I mean even you know when I went to uni and I was in this degree surrounded by uh, you know other aspiring writers and editors who uh, I had a lot of fun with in class but it was kind of like you know there were three or four people who I would actually go to for feedback on my work and vice versa so you do I think um, going to those bigger events is great for uh, getting a sense of who's out there and developing an idea of what you want in a a writing buddy Mm. or a writing group um yep. but then also kind of learning how to form those connections uh that are that are more intensive. And that's why I often say that going to writers festival events can be really great. Mm. NYWF um can be so good for um it's technically it's for young writers not necessarily um, early Mm. and emerging writers so you can have established young writers but it is mostly people who are at an emerging stage in their career Mm. and this is uh, one of their first times um, hanging out with a community in this residential space where they're kind of around each other for a few days Mm. going to the same events Mm. having discussions at the drinks and things afterwards and forming groups and communities and collaborations out of that
2: yeah I got a housemate out of it it was great really? wow because I'm at um, someone who was from Brisbane, mm. and when I moved over to Melbourne, she was also thinking moving over, and then the room came up in my house, and it sort of just worked out there we quite go. nicely. <laughs> so like That's it just such an
1: <laughs> NYWS story. That's great. <laughs> and I mean, then a
2: cat jumped in my window, and at two o'clock in the morning, we were like <laughs> calling its owner, and their owner came over and cried. It's just, like yeah wow. oh, the connections that were yeah. forged I
0: love it there you go I mean and I think for me um, my first foray into the quote real world of <laughs> um, of writing was through Writers' Work I, mm-hmm. I went and got myself a manuscript assessment um, which was interesting and uh, you know the, the this was
1: before I coordinated the service so if you didn't like it that's fine no it was good <laughs> Alexis
0: was doing it and she did a great job and uh, I appreciate her um, and, and her work so um, I, I don't have a bad I thing Alexis. to say about shout it Alexis shout out to yeah. Alexis at, at the Uber Writers' good. Festival yep, yep go 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 um, and <laughs> (laughs) And we, yeah, then I kind of, from there, I went to a workshop, which is how mm-hmm. the writing group sort of formed out of that. Mm-hmm. So it was through Writers Victoria that I kind of found that. I, I'm a huge advocate for writing uh, writing organisations around mm-hmm. the country or wherever you are in the world. Um, if you want to connect with people, it's absolutely worth it. And I remember a few other things like the literary speed dating, which mm-hmm. was fantastic. Um, and in each of these things, I found it's actually the things around the fringes mm-hmm. are where you form relationships when you go off and have dumplings with a bunch of people, yeah. mm-hmm. or you go for a coffee afterwards. So getting down to Melbourne Writers Festival for me. Had Hasn't necessarily been about the content mm. so much as it's necessarily about um, getting in, having a coffee, meeting someone, and then kind of connecting a bit more on Twitter afterwards, mm. which has been great. Um, I, I wouldn't say, I, and actually, through Twitter was how I came onto this podcast, which mm. I'm sitting here uh, hosting, which is kind of weird thinking about. It. It started with a tweet. <laughs> I followed Joel. Joel's like, who's this guy? And so it goes.
1: You know? I love all the how people met Joel stories.
2: <laughs> I don't know how I met Joel. Oh.
1: He just appeared in your life yeah. one day with, and you have no memory of a time before him. <laughs> this is yes, a parallel universe. Right. We
0: merged timelines and that's when that <laughs> happened. You're the only person who came from the other one. So right. Here we are. <laughs> that was a strange theory.
2: I'm just flying cheese.
0: <laughs> we all do. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, the, the uh, that aside, it, I think it's great that um, you can find you know, those people that you kind of trust... I, I guess as you go along in the writing journey, then you kind of learn what you need as well. And so what you got at the beginning, what was helpful. So for me, it was Reddit. Now, am I still subscribed to the Reddit writing forum? I don't think so. But, you know, I'm not saying it's not not good. It just was what I needed then. What Mm. I need now are real life people.
1: Yeah, and that's, and, and that's another reason at Writers Victoria, like, I guess, where I'm not just trying to like sell Writers Victoria here, it's just a useful example of uh, the sort of thing you're talking mm. about. Um, we have d- like three sort of key levels that we um, sort of pitch workshops and mm. services at early, emerging and established and early and emerging is for people who are at that uh, either a beginner level or they might have some experience with the industry or with writing but mm. they haven't you know necessarily formed those communities or they don't know yet exactly what they need Um, and so they want an opportunity to work with a tutor who has that level of experience but they're not ready to be in a group with other established writers who are whose work is going to be just at a very different stage from theirs but they can progress up to uh, doing more established you know master classes and that Mm. sort of thing when they (laughs) feel ready for it Um, and I think that having those Uh, distinctions in what we offer it's not about sort of corralling aside the the writers who aren't as good or anything like that it's about people getting their money's worth out of a service by uh, connecting with people who are at the same stage they're at and offering the type of advice that they need at that time in their career
0: yeah, and that's that's true, and you do spot that, um, the different uh, levels of writing, like what was right for me, I did a, um, a broad kind of study on pu- the publishing journey, which was fantastic for me when I was starting out. I still have a memory from that, which I had, do need to share with you actually, was that there one of the people in the workshop, he talked about his story. And then you could hear him kind of cringe. And he said, yeah. And the lead character, he was talking about this journey of this person. Maybe it was in India or something where they kind of met the devil or something. And it was all this um, it was this fascinating story. And he said, oh, and the lead character's name for this existential story is Hugh Mann. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole bit, that Liz's reaction, that's the whole room went... Oh and he went I know I know and like I loved that he knew but he had to say it out loud somehow for everyone to confirm to everyone oh a space really?
2: movie where like the, the like the, as National who's like Commander Man or whatever and yeah. he's like he's supposed to like embody the folly of man and I think I yeah. just like, I wanted to throw a chalk top at the screen <laughs> like, exactly I, the I don't one. eat them but I would have bought one <laughs> just throw it the, the screen <laughs> yeah. waste a good popcorn but a top sure
0: <laughs> and it was just like here's this existential story and I'm sorry guys in advance I know and and I, I loved that but for me I remember thinking that was kind of neat because I love that he already knew <laughs> what was coming. And I, that was good. That was definitely good for them. And and some of the best memories I have starting out were going to workshops with writers who were able to tell you about how the industry was. And it's weird to then sit down with Speculate, uh, the festival when we were running it, and, and being pulling together people to run those for people who are at that stage. And it's kind of like, okay. Now, I, I haven't been... Um, uh formally published yet but for me the stage i'm at is getting feedback from people who've been either in the industry or are published writers who can give me the feedback i need to say this is what you need to take this to market Mm -hmm. so that's a very different stage from where i was when i was kind of starting out kind of like um, is this okay? Am yeah. I a writer? And I still remember as well, I will say, I have another formative memory where um, a lady who I worked with, I didn't realize had been at Penguin for 10 years, and she very... Um, hi, Lisa. Uh, she, she very <laughs> kindly said to me, um, just out of the blue, and I don't know, she must have known, it was what I needed to hear, She said, Ian, you are a writer. And for some reason, that was what I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. People doing that kind of stuff that really sometimes that's what you need
1: yeah um, it's I'm, I'm in this weird position where I've worked in essentially arts management for five years and arts admin and before that I was you know getting a degree in writing editing and publishing so I've had a lot of exposure to uh you know the writing community the publishing community in some areas at, at quite high levels so I'm past that point of sort of asking a lot of the basic questions, Mm. and I've passed that point where I go, can I call myself a writer? But at the same time, in terms of my published writing, I've actually... I don't know if I've actually published any of my original fiction. Like, yeah. most of my published writing is uh, reviews, uh, a few articles, things like that. Um, so, I'm very immersed in the writing community without actually being, like, an author in that sense. Mm. And so, it's quite an interesting. They're going, why do we keep asking her to come onto our writing <laughs> podcast? I didn't realize she wasn't a published author. It's okay. It's mostly for, it's for the
0: jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, puns,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's... And I know quite a lot of other people who are in that situation as well, yeah. where um, they are... They they're very active in the community. they you know they have those friendships and connections and that knowledge. Um, they'll often give advice and might mentor or edit mm. themselves, but uh, haven't actually had that, you know, career of, you know, I've published three books and I'm on a bestseller list and I've been nominated for an award or yeah. even I've published a book necessarily. Mm. Um, but I think that can be a, uh, I think in some ways that's a good reflection of how the industry is changing and our mm. expectations of what does make you allowed to call yourself established or mm. even emerging are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the industry will continue to kind of evolve, I'm sure it has to. Um, and, and it's it's interesting to kind of be there. And I remember that I suppose there's sort of a moment when the penny drops for people and they, they realise where they're at and what they need. I, I guess for me, I've the thing I've appreciated is in coming and doing the podcast and meeting a lot of writers that I believe the Australian community is, uh, of writers is so generous. Um, hmm. I can't really think of... Any interactions I've had where people have been jerks, to be honest, like that, I, I that I really would would not put down to having a bad day or something. You know, like generally, generally people have been extremely generous with their time. Um, they'll come and join us on the podcast. They'll come and talk to us. You know, when we were setting up a festival, they give us advice and say maybe you should do this, maybe you shouldn't do that. And I, I think that's something that we've got, which is really special that we're kind of in this together. And, um, and I really appreciate that. Have you found that, Liz, in kind of your because you you know, yeah, a lot of writers. I
2: think. It's easy not to think about it because people make it so easy. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. you can take it for granted quite because you don't have to seek it out as as hard as you might have to mm. in other places I think. Like I've never had to seek out formal mentorships or anything yeah. like that because I feel like I'm surrounded by a good group of people who will give they'll dot advice here and there and it goes both ways. So, yeah, I think it's invisible because it's so Mm. Easy.
1: Yeah, I wonder what it's like um, overseas in other communities. I mean, I think the the UK and American writing scenes, for example, are very different. But Mm. um, I don't know if they have kind of different forms of those reciprocal relationships or if it's just much less accessible. I'm not sure.
0: I think it's wherever you find it, um, you know, however it works for you. Community is a must for Mm -hmm. writing. And uh, I'm very grateful that we've had this chance to talk about it. Um do <laughs> so like that. Uh so look, thanks so much uh, Liz for coming on and, and being a part of this discussion and kind of you know sharing your, your insights with us. Really appreciate it. Um and Diane as well for your <laughs> work. Whatever of wisdom I
1: contributed today. I'm not and sure. And f-
0: for doing a good plug for Writers Victoria. Yeah, um, yeah. They are great. Writers
1: Vic and NYWF. Yeah. Woo! Yeah,
0: yeah, sorry, and NYWF did <laughs> yeah. get a big plug today, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um so look uh that kind of brings us to the end of our, our formal section here. But um Liz, for you, what, what have you got coming up and we can people find you online
2: Uh, well I have a very unusual Twitter handle as you alluded to (laughs) which is at Elizabeth Flux wow Um, uh, that's the main place you can find me I also have an Instagram but mostly it's me either holding a book or my cat or both Um, so if you're into that kind of thing um, yep but I do occasionally do stories that are ve- very specific about graveyards. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I guess what my short answer is, is social media. Do
0: people <laughs> dig your graveyard stories? Oh.
2: Surprisingly, like, I got a lot of good feedback. There's, like, one really good one I did. But, okay. yeah, I've got a few more planned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like it. That's that good. sounds fascinating,
1: actually. Yeah. I would like to talk about that. Um, mm. And mm. I also... No, that's a whole other discussion. Anyway, um, my, <laughs> my, just sorry mentioning stories about graveyards just made me want to ask if you'd read the graveyard book by Neil Gaiman, and then that was uh, that's a whole other discussion. We'll, we'll, so, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll
2: talk. Ah, oh, and um, I have a Melbourne Writers Festival event coming up, yes. so yeah.
0: It's very important.
1: What's that one?
2: Um, I'm talking to Fiona Wright about her latest book. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. It's very exciting.
0: Head to MWF to buy tickets, I'm imagining, for that.
2: I assume so. Yes, that's (laughs) true. They are out now.
0: Yeah, Yeah, the program just
1: launched last week, so you can (laughs) buy them on the website. (laughs) Thank (laughs) heavens. Um, So uh, my Twitter handle is Fifi Fail. Uh, mine actually is kind of unusual. Um, and uh, we actually, so I don't know if this actually came up in the course of our discussion, but I'm one of the co-managers of NYWF this year. So uh, should mention that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, just I'm plugging everything I'm involved with basically. It's <laughs> uh, very good. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm plugging it because it's high quality. Like I'm not ashamed to be associated with it. Um, wow. <laughs> also not right Victoria. Like they're all good. They're all fine. Um, so, Dig
0: up, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. So, what in that? Speaking of digging graves. Yep.
2: Anything Um, you don't mention, you hate. All right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Now I've just got to go through like every freelance job I've ever done, so my clients know I love them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So. the program for nywf is launching very soon um we are really excited about that we're doing a uh we're calling it a launch but it's really more of a sort of taster festival in sydney um on the first weekend of august i think it's on uh friday the 2nd of august um but uh check out the nywf uh website to confirm that um And that's going to be really – we've got some amazing names uh, coming to that. Uh, We've got a beautiful venue in partnership with the city of Sydney. It's going to be really exciting. Mm. Uh, And then the festival itself is happening on the 3rd to 6th of October in Newcastle. And uh, at this Taster Festival, um, around that time, the formal program will be announced and people can start, like, looking at all the events. Uh, No need to book in because it's a free residential festival. Just go to Newcastle and hang out.
0: (laughs) There we go, which is what I do regularly anyway, so – uh but this time I'll have NYWF. Yes. Great. Thanks uh Diane and you can find me at IH Laking. Um, there are some tweets there less than usual but I'll try and uh, do some more puns maybe that'll work um, if you see that Liz retweeted it it was a good one <laughs> pretty much and that works um, but thank you so much for joining us on the Morning Bell uh, Joel will return from the Northern Hemisphere where he witnessed uh, New Zealand lose the Cricket World Cup which was the greatest injustice in the history of the world
1: how dare you bring sport into this literary podcasting? I
0: did realise that you could never write a storyline which crushes my heart as much as the Black Caps losing
1: <laughs> George, Jara Martin says challenge accepted.
0: <laughs> it's true. We're forward to it, George. Uh, thank you for joining us um, and look forward to seeing you next time on The Morning Bell.